Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I want to have these important conversations. We've got expert advice from the professionals. Nothing is off limits. Welcome to my podcast, Rach Leary Rated R. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Rach Leary Rated R. Happy Monday. I hope you guys all had a great weekend. It's just been Halloween. I'm feeling it this morning. I'm not going to lie. I kind of did all of my Halloween plans. Um on the Saturday night. So to be fair, I have had Sunday to kind of to recover and just rest. And I'm actually, when you're listening to this, on the way to Paris for a little work content trip, which is super, super exciting. Anyway, more of that over on my Instagram. You can follow me at Rach Leary for updates on what I'm doing there. But for today's episode, I am very excited. We are talking to the incredible Dr. Luan, she is a best-selling author of two books, The Male Brain and The Female Brain. This is going to be a two-part episode. We're going to be diving into the male brain today, and we're going to be covering the female brain next week, understanding our own behavior, all of that good stuff. But I thought, let's do the male brain first. I feel like for a lot of us, that's what we've been, you know, spending a lot of our lives trying to understand. And I just wanted to give a little quick disclaimer before we actually get into this episode. I just wanted to stress that obviously everyone is different. And particularly when we talk about the male brain, her research obviously does not apply to all men. Um, Luann's book is based on a heterosexual, generalized male brain. So as we go through it, I'm sure most of us can relate um, and will have had, uh, oh, so that might be why he did that type of moment. Because like I said, her book is based on the sort of stereotypical male behavior, but from a neurological, biological standpoint. She's very, um, she kind of, she has studied both sides, but her book is obviously on the nature side of an argument, which is actually why I wanted uh, her 
on because I think most of us look at social and environmental factors when it comes to the behavior as most of us don't actually have the research to really understand it in any other way. So it's a site I personally have no knowledge on and I found it so interesting to learn more about our human biology and you know the gender differences, you know specific parts of the male brain and what they actually mean like you'll hear as we go on but yeah I just wanted to give a little disclaimer this does not apply to every single man out there okay so without further ado I am so excited to jump into this two-part episode and we're now going to talk to the incredible best-selling author Dr Luan. Dr Luan I am very excited to get this episode underway and pick your brain on a subject as I feel like a 25 year old woman I've spent a large chunk of my life trying to navigate and that's not just understanding my behavior but trying to understand the male brain and male behavior as well so thank you for coming on the show well, it was great that I got to be here and talk to your audience because this is obviously close to my heart of the, course. The, the, male, the male brain we women you know to have any kind of roadmap for the male brain is a real gift so I, I hope I can share the the pieces of knowledge I have with your listeners I'm so excited so for my listeners that don't know Luann is the best-selling author of the female brain and the male brain which is what this two-part episode is mainly going to be focused on I've actually bought both and have read parts and can I just say I absolutely love the format of how you talk about you know the people that you've met in real life and telling their experiences almost like a, like a fictional story sort of like that kind of thing and then using obviously your scientific research and knowledge to explain the possible biological reasoning behind their behavior in that moment and I've not read a, a book like that before and it just made it so much more interesting just want to say yeah that's it's, it's I, I hope it was easy to read because it's supposed to be a very even though it has an it's sort of a daunting title the male brain but it, it's it's supposed to be very easy to read you don't really need to know any science to read it no but I feel like I learn the science as I'm going along in a way that makes it like really fun and yeah like you said easy and interesting but obviously as well as being a best-selling author for those who don't know you you're also a scientist you are a researcher at the University of California and a neuropsychiatrist and I feel like most of us are pretty familiar with those titles but can you elaborate particularly on what a neuropsychiatrist is and what that involves? Okay, so I, I'm, I'm trained and board certified as in uh, neurology and psychiatry. That's kind of a, our technical um, area. And um, psychiatry is what I've practiced for about, oh gosh, maybe 30 plus years now. So that basically means I see people who have, you know, anxiety and depression and women who have problems with their hormones and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm able to help people with that kind of stuff. And I also study the, um, you know, the mechanisms of the brain and how it works with different types of hormones and different types of like um, either the lack of hormones or too much hormones so I'm I'm in that area of behavior and hormones love it so what specifically sparked your interest in sort of biological or you know neurological gender-based differences so you know I when I went to undergrad at UC Berkeley in the days of like the women's movement it was like right you know like people were like you know you couldn't get to the campus sometimes because there's tear gas there were riots everywhere you know it was a very very hot time with like all kinds of things going on but a lot of um, 
the feminist movement and the the male female differences in those days were trying to be very downplayed and so my generation that kind of was sort of I I'm kind of a second wave feminist you know after Gloria Steinem and all those people who did the first wave I was kind of like I was the beneficiary of the first wave I'm kind of in the second wave but nonetheless I felt like there's this there was this kind of thing that you guys probably don't have any idea but it's like almost like unis mandatory unisex i mean like if you said anything was different between male and female i, I mean you were basically saying heresy and you know you could be right. tarred and feathered in the central square i mean it was a very and yet all of my classes in neurobiology we were learning about all the hormones that cause like male interest in sex and they were doing studies in those days all my professors were kind of cutting edge and the the behavior that hormones cause like you know all the testosterone that causes they're mostly working in like beagles you know or different types of animal models and they would you know change the hormone they would give them a blocker to testosterone and that the male the male dogs would completely lose their sex drive and they were not even interested in any like hot female that came around you know and then there was like they would give the testosterone back to them and they they were like ready to jump on anything that smelled like a female you know so it was or even other males you know they were really hypersexual so i that's what i'm learning in the classroom in those days and so on the outside world it was like you know all of my all of my peers and girlfriends and people that were not in the science world were like like oh no there are no differences between males and females so it was like that I, that tension where i felt like oh you know i just tried to i tried to solve that or understand it or think about it and um then also when i ended up at medical school i went to yale medical school and we had some very interesting classes in psychiatry and the interesting thing that i learned there that blew my mind was this two to one ratio in depression in women over men or and then four to one in anxiety disorders in women over men i thought wow that is not fair that really you know that sucks I, I like forget it i don't know what kind of language we can use on your podcast but anyway whatever you want whatever okay you want. <laughs> all right all right okay i'm done with that um at any rate i thought that was like hey wait a minute so that got me interested in all these incredibly interesting hormonal and gender differences in in um mental process and in behaviors and in what what causes our urges. So that's how I got into the field. I just found it so interesting. I just wanted to know more about it. Wow. Oh my God. I'm just, I'm so excited to sudden like to pick your brain all about this. So let's jump onto the main kind of like section of this particular episode. And that's the kind of contents of your books. And we're doing it in a reverse order. I hope you don't mind. I know you wrote your female brain book first and that was the first to come out but this first part of this episode is going to focus on understanding the male brain as I feel like that's what I'm kind of most excited to dive into and personally I think it's the same for a lot of people and obviously I know it does play into it when it comes to trying to explain male behavior why they do things etc we tend to focus on just the environmental factors the social factors their past experiences but at the very beginning of your book um, you talk about the specific parts of the male brain and anyone that's studied kind of like basic biology knows that the brain is split up into hubs anyway but there were some that I didn't know even existed so I kind of wanted to focus on a few and I would love it if you could explain to the people listening what these areas are and how they kind of neurologically impact typical male behavior I say that in quotation marks so I'm going to make sure I pronounce these right but the first one that I would love for you to kind of explain is the medial 
proptic area. Yeah, that's fascinating one because that's one's been known for a long time by scientists. It's, we, we abbreviate it called the MPA, the MPA. And it's a little area of cells inside the hypothalamus, which is so cool because in the male brain, um, well, let's talk about the animal model first just for a minute because rats and rodents, there's that little area called the MP, the, the, the MPOA in the male rat is eight times larger than the female. So it's a definite area in the brain, which is much larger in the male. Humans, it's only about, <clears throat> males have about a two time, two time bigger area in that. And what that area does is that basically it's the area that, that causes like the sexual function, like the sexual interest in, you know, the, the whole male circuitry, obviously in the brain that let's, let's be clear that the male and female brain are more alike than different after all, you know, we're the same species. So there's not, there's a lot of things that are like tiny little differences in the brain, but the hormones then are like the fuel that run different circuits. So the testosterone runs a whole bunch of circuits in the male brain that um that the female doesn't have and then there's some flip side where we'll talk about with the female brain but the male brain this area called the mpoa it is the area that's known both in animal males and in human males to be larger in that area of the brain that like causes sexual function you see a female you see breasts or the male animals they smell they smell you they, they have a really great sense of smell so any of that goes like oh boy like just like everything else just go for it right just like that that's what i want i'm going for that <laughs> yeah i feel like that's why that stood out to me because obviously just stereotypically in heterosexual in heterosexual males like we just kind of know them and like generalize them to be like obsessed with sex and stuff so it's fascinating that mm. there is actually a part of the brain that is genuinely larger in males so it, it tends it like it makes sense it's not just the environmental factors that is actually a part in the brain that does that and the next one i wanted to talk about was the make let me make sure i pronounce this right the dorsal premammillary nucleus what yeah, is the, that the, the, the dorsal premammillary nucleus has a lot to do with erections and ejaculation and all the kind of sexual function too that's in males and so that's another part of the sexual circuitry in males right and then the final one that i'm going to talk a little bit more after because i also thought this was quite fascinating the rostral cingulate zone the yeah, the RCZ. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's, that's so. This is all part of kind of the male circuitry and that basically how the whole like networks. We talk these days about like you said hubs and networks in the brain. It's kind of like how the it's if you think about a whole lot of wiring to your electronics in the house. You know, it's just like a lot of stuff is is hooked up to diff, to different pieces of equipment, and these are just like different pieces of equipment in different areas of the brain and the hubs of the brain like you said so that's all kind of the, the male circuitry yeah so speaking on the rcz from your book it says that this is the part of the brain for registering sort of social approval i think you also wrote that this part kind of keeps humans from being uh too different from others so you know like seemingly em embarrassing themselves and during puberty it helps males reset their facial responses to hide their emotions so if all of that is actually like you know, a, a part of their brain are males kind of, in fact, cognitively designed to not be as good as expressing themselves as we already sort of stereotypically know them to be like from the offset. I, yeah. So it's so interesting you, that, that you picked up on that because it's, isn't it so, it's so important because there's a lot of stuff that, that, you know, there's, there's, um, 
they do lots of these brain scans. The studies look at the brain scans of boys before they enter, you know, to young adulthood. And the area of the brain that sort of like looks at faces and the, the, the an angry face or a surprised or happy face, they use just really standard, you know, human emotions. Males will basically see a neutral face after puberty. They'll start seeing neutral faces as more angry. And so, um, and you know, there's not, there's no, this, this area, the RCZ is the one that kind of like, is the one that, that lights up and they think that it's related to how that changes with the testosterone surges. And remember, testosterone goes up 250 times from age nine years old to 13 in boys. So it just like, it's like a tsunami of testosterone hits their brain and hits this RCZ area. And so it's probably, mother nature probably made it so that, that um, you know, male aggression is 20 times more kind of physical aggression than for females. So it's the physical aggression that goes with protection and like, you know, and also being able to, to hunt and do, you know, all those kinds of things and to fight off rival males, the rivalry, you know, in, with males is like, you know, you want to get the best females and it's kind of like yeah. that you watch, you know, you watch big bucks or deer that like, like they'll fight to the death to be able to mate with the females. So that area is this area that makes the kind of switches in puberty for males. And it's also suppresses fear and suppresses, suppresses pain. You know, a lot of the things that, um, and this is of course, just, you know, that's not the only thing that's going on in the male brain at that yeah. stage, but this is something that's really noticed that's, that's different. I think it's really interesting because I feel like males blame themselves a lot sometimes, you know, do you know, the, the singer Carlos Santana, you know, he was, you know, a very famous, um, he had a group called Santana and he's a very famous guitarist, one of the most famous guitarists. Anyway, when he read my book, he said to me, Dr. Luann, thank you. Thank you for writing this book because it helped me to forgive myself for many things in my life. Wow. Yeah. No, the, the fact that there is even a part of the, like, yeah, a, a part of the brain that sparks that, like, um, all the kind of, all the characteristics that we stereotypically, like, associate with males. I just think it's so fascinating that, you know, I, I keep going back to this, but it's, it is not just the environmental factors that really impact behavior cognitively, you know, they are designed and that that's kind of like why those behaviors basically exist. And I love that you highlight that the male brain goes through many developmental stages as like explained in each chapter I think there's literally about seven or eight and as your book suggests the male brain is way more complex than we joke about it to be I feel like there's always the running joke of men's brains being fairly basic I think you even said in your book when you said you were even going to be writing this book people said well that's going to be pretty short like it's literally going to be like a leafler and you know we kind of just associate the men the male brain only really cares about you know food and sex it, it's basically pretty basic that type of thing but that's actually the chapter I wanted to look into and I feel like it sparks the most interest as an area women want to understand more and that was the love and lust chapter that you wrote um and from a chapter three i think chapter three is like all about love because in the female brain i called it love and trust yes. and in the male brain it's love love and lust <laughs> we're going to talk about the love and trust one when we go on to the female brain but um from a scientific standpoint in your book you tell us how men have 2.5 times the brain space devoted to sexual drive we kind of touched a little bit on that earlier which i think explains 
a lot, but also you said sex doesn't always lead to love, but for the male brain, it's a necessary part of getting there. Can you kind of go into that and explain why that is? Well, you know, so think about mother nature made it so the most important thing for all kinds of animals on this planet is to procreate your species, right? You're supposed to like get your genes into the, you know, get your genes or your sperm into the next generation. I mean, that's, that's a very, you know, basic primitive biological, um, let's say rule, right? That's, that's what, that's, if you're not, that's not the only thing we're here for, but that's like a big biological thing we're here for. So how, you know, and how females and males, for humans, especially, we're, we're wired a little differently to make sure that that happens. So for males, they are, their system is basically wired to search out for females and find a way to mate with them. And so that's kind of the very, at the very most primitive level, that's what they're wired to do. And so that, you know, all, all the, the hormones, the testosterone, the brain, and then the issue about, about love. So males actually fall in love. They've found even faster than females. It's almost like males have more of the experience of love at first sight um, than females do. Is it actually love at first sight though, or is it lust at first sight? Okay, very good, Rachel. That's a very great change. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's really truly what it is. It's really kind of lust at first sight, but it's the brain maybe goes through the wiring of interpreting it as love. You know, it's like it's it, love being love meaning attachment and the release of all of these incredible bonding hormones and things for males are just very connected to their whether they're visually stimulated by the way the female looks. And I think that's, you know, for the, on the female side, that's why we spend so much time, you know, trying to be attractive to males. Cause like we, we are, we know that our, our biology, we already know that, but for the, on the male side, they are, it's like, I always say, you know how you go in a sports bar and there's always the television on in the background there, you know, all the time playing, whatever it is. It's like in a male brain, always there's this, it's almost like there's this TV set on all of the time. It's like scanning, scanning, scanning the environment for, for attractive fertile females. And it's just, it's like they're, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. Even if you're sitting with them, you're sitting with them at, you know, at a pub or something. And, you know, somebody else, really attractive woman walks by, they're doing everything they can do, quote unquote, not to look at her. Cause that TV in their brain, that TV in their brain wants to look at her. So why is, you know, why is the, I'm guessing the act of sex a very important part for a male to fall in love? Because I feel like as women, we ingrain into ourselves if we want a man to love us, to like not have sex with them, well, not like quickly anyway. Whereas from a neurological standpoint, you're sort of saying that it actually is a key step for males. So like why, I guess I'm trying to say like, why is that the case? To like, because I feel like from a women's standpoint, I think we could fall in love just from like, you know, words and like uh, holding hands. And yeah, or, that yeah. kind of thing. So, like, why is it that men need the physical intimacy as such? Maybe they're more being, than women. So, they're, you know, they're being driven like a Maserati full blast into like the sexual act. It's like just like totally when they're attracted to you, that's full on. It, we used to say whatever they can do to get into your pants, right? <laughs> it was like, you know, it's like that is totally what's going on in their brain and their neurological system, you know? And so, you know, that, it, you know, the timing of whether you do that on the first date or whatever it is, but for, for males, they want it like 
now, like right away, you know, that's their, their whole biology is tuned to that. And, um, you know, they, they can very much bond to a female very quickly, you know, in, in both seeing her and, and, and the sexual acts. I mean, they're, they don't, they don't have to deal with nine months of pregnancy and, you know, all the stuff we have to deal with. So it's, of course, it's not, there's not much of a cost to having sex really fast for them. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's right. very much like, boom, when they used to say, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. It was a very, it's not necessarily, so that, that just makes sense. That's how they're wired. And um, it's not their fault that they're wired that way. We're always the ones, the females are always the one putting the brakes on that for right. our own biological reasons, because we can't, we need some someone to help us with helpless infants you know we need someone to be you know devoted to us in a way that they will stick around and help raise the offspring is a whole nother thing but for the male it's like they're you know and then they might you know whatever they might fall in love with somebody else two days later I don't know yeah it's like an animalistic instinct I guess maybe like we do it in reverse almost I feel like we as women like to build the sort of relationship and then have the physical connection whereas I think men need to know that the physical connection is is good and then they if it if it is that then they can work on the like the falling in love part I think that's that kind of explains a lot I think and and it makes a lot of sense when you relate it to like the dating world and stuff and and it's funny that in this day and age I feel like women get sort of shamed if you if you will like if you have sex with a man straight away but it's like actually you want me to do that in your like deep down like that's really actually what you want me to do but it seemingly comes across as you know a bad thing so I think the slut shaming thing too is something you're, you're alluding to too because the slut yeah. shaming thing that that males tend to do is a kind of it's kind of a weird sort of thing but I think they use it as a little leverage on us you know too and they also use it if there's a female that they're I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Not able to, you know, if they're not able to get or someone that's out of their reach, they sort of will slut shame her as a way to deal with their own feelings of inadequacy. Yeah, we actually are going to touch on that when we talk about the female brain, because there's something that comes up that I was going to ask you about. But before we move on to my followers submissions, because I've had my followers send in their like boy behavior submissions to try and get maybe your viewpoint on why why boys do this and why this happens. I just wanted to touch on one of the animal studies that you mentioned, which I thought was not only fascinating, but also kind of funny and sweet at the same time. It's the side botched lizard study. And I'll, wait, I think I've got it here. 
I'll read it straight from the book so my listeners can actually get a feel for the book itself and like what you talk about. Um, so you say, while humans and animals have differences in their mating strategies, scientists have observed some curious similarities. One of the most colorful examples of animal tactics is provided by the side blotched lizard. Conventionally, the mating styles, males with orange throats use the alpha male is it the harem strategy they guard a group of females and mate with all of them the males with the yellow throats are called sneakers because they slip into the harem of the orange throat and mate with his females whenever they can get away with it and the males with the brilliant blue throats my personal favorites use the one and only strategy they mate with one female and guard her 24 7 from a biological perspective the approaches of the orange throated harem leader the yellow throated sneaker and the blue throated one female type are all successful mating strategies for lizards and for human males too i affectionately call my husband the blue throat i just thought i read that and i was like it's so like i loved that that study like even exists for one um <laughs> and i love that you refer to your husband as a blue throat i think that we're all out here trying to find our own blue throat lizard yeah, all the all the females all of us want blue throat yeah, hus husbands. Yes, exactly. And secondly, I think a lot of people listening could name a man or two that they've come across that fits into each of those coloured throat lizard categories. I just think the fact that that study exists is is fabulous. I love different mating strategies, and because you can see it, you can see it in in human males too. I mean, you know, there every every male is obviously unique and an individual, but they there are little groupings of them. You know, there's some there's some that are like the the ones who are very the sort of feel inadequate and whatever, and they kind of scurry around. They kind of hang they kind of hang around like the really cool cool guys that all the a lot of girls like to hang out with you know and they'll kind of like then they'll kind of pick one of them off once in a while you know whatever and uh, have a one-nighter with her or what you know that kind of you know that so everybody has see, everybody knows the guy that has that the yellow throat strategy right and then the, yeah you know, the, well, the orange, like yeah we always joke about um well especially i sort of see it on tiktok these days a lot of people joking about um when you date a guy and then actually all of his friends are also like kind of like talking to you and speaking to you as well so he better play his cards right because there are other options type thing and the fact that that was actually a mating technique for a lizard I think yeah like I said <laughs> I love it and it's relatable as well and it works and it yeah well yeah it think does about work. how many it girls if, 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 if how many girls how many girls if we if we were all telling the truth whatever like like how many girls would have like said like oh yeah I had a one night stand with a yellow throat yeah you know? <laughs> exactly or like just like finding their friends attractive and and stuff like that I think that's very very common I know animal studies aren't always the most reliable but I just thought that you know that one is actually very relatable into like real life and the male male behaviors so I want to move on and jump into the boy behavior submissions and just see if you can help these girls understand like what is going on so the first one that I'm going to ask you is somebody says what does it mean when a male speaks to you all of the time over text and seems interested but never actually makes an effort to see you is that something that is quite common or like a common well I mean we know it's a common male behavior but is that actually something cognitively as to why men may pretend to show an interest but not physically act upon it so i think there's a few things you can think of in terms of how to how to how to kind of dissect or categorize a male that's behaving that way towards you 
if that male let's 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 assume that that male does not have a girlfriend of his own right let's assume that it's like you know you've you he's just he gives you some seemingly single seemingly single positive but he's giving you some positive signals but he's not doing any follow-through or follow-up is the it sounds like is that right Rachel yeah. I have it right okay I think that's right okay because that's a that's a that's a common complaint and um I think what happens often is that um, we forget sometimes how hard it is for for certain guys and who may be very shy on the inside and don't have very much self-confidence or maybe had a bad experience with a girlfriend before or something and they're just being they're, they're feeling they're feeling inhibited they're feeling inhibited so what i would advise i would advise girls that are in that situation if you feel like there's at least at least some hope for you with that guy whatever if you're feeling that that you find a subtle way to make the first move that won't that won't deflate his masculinity and also remember these days full disclosure i have a 32 year old son <laughs> who's single and so i get to hear i get to hear a lot of stuff that goes on you know and he's always talking about toxic masculinity these days you know like he guys are really afraid to come off as being one of those guys that's like toxic masculinity so that so guys are a little bit there's a little bit more uh, shyness that's going on these days and whatever. So I think women may just have to like, nudge, you know, just, just try to do something that's like, you know, figure out a way to ask the, say like, there's some, there's such and such thing I'd like to go to, you know, just have her just get the tickets and just for the first one, just see what happens. Because I think there's some standing back that happens and that, that type of guy, we all know those types of guys. So yeah, just kind of to test, test the water as to, whether or not you know he may actually just be shy he might appear seemingly confident but maybe when it comes to you know initiating plans and starting plans he might be a little bit nervous so if you've got the confidence maybe just to test the water but if it's not a good response then I would probably just assume he may just I don't know may not be that interested but definitely like you said if there's a if there's a hope you've been getting like good responses then don't be afraid to make the first move. I think, especially if you want to. Like, I'm sick of like get like games. Like, can't we just be straight up and like, if you want to do something, just do it. If you want to text, just text. But yeah, it may just be that he is, you know, a bit shy. So don't be afraid to make the first move. But another submission that we have, someone said, "Riddle me this. I've been best friends with a guy for the past year and a half." He was one of those best friends that are, you're kind of a bit flirty. Every Everyone wants you to be together and thinks that you secretly are, but you never were. I did end up having feelings for him and admitted my feelings earlier this year, but was shut down and accepted the friendship was all we were. But then his best friend, so this kind of goes back to the, the lizard sort of thing, but his best friend made a move on me. And I thought, why not? I told my, the, the best friend, and the reaction was priceless. Nervous laughter, head tilted to the ground, his body language totally changed. I was confused, but thought nothing of it. A few days later, it was my birthday meal with all of my friends and he didn't turn up. No message, no nothing, didn't contact me for weeks. So when he did, I brought the fact up that he'd been MIA, MIA and ghosted me. 
and completely threw away the friendship for no reason whatsoever. So is he actually, in fact, bothered? Is there a reason? Like, so she basically was best friends with this guy, ended up kind of falling for him a bit and told him. He shut it down and said, no, no, like, we are just going to be friends. But then his best friend showed an interest. She just thought out of courtesy, let me tell tell this guy. And now he's just kind of deaded their friendship and is now really upset. But she's confused as to why, because he denied them sort of romantically, if that makes sense. So what most likely happened, Rachel, is that that she that that this best friend that was a guy all this time whatever and he was very clear that he was not crossing the line to make it uh, physical or sexual blah 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 but then it changed the whole formula for the the whole the whole game relationship when she if it had been some other guy that hadn't been his best friend right maybe somebody that was completely different or whatever that scenario may not have happened but there's something about the dynamics between the the friend guy and then his best friend that's going to they're going to go out or something that that is threatening the friendship you know and he just feels so freaked out about it that he can't he can't even be in her presence or whatever so it's not it's not really about her and it's not about her seeing some other guy but the some other guy happened to be his best friend so that was where the that's that's where the rub came so the male the male ego being a little bit hurt maybe i feel like but that's really common like within guys like not to sort of sh- share girls but they always seem to like each other's exes and stuff and it just it causes that friction so yeah if i was how i wouldn't take that too too personal as to something you've done i feel like Boys don't really take it out on each other, do they? You'll never really see two sort of males necessarily arguing over a girl. They'd rather ditch the girl like entirely to just remain like boys. Yep. And there's a whole male hierarchy thing that goes on where, you know, the boy-boy relationship. And there's kind of like all these unwritten and unspoken rules in the, in the boys club. Whereas like, you know, they had, they did this study. I talked about that study in the book where they took these, they took a whole bunch of boys um, that were about like um, six and a half or seven years old. They had them play and they blah, blah, blah. And they, they figured out what hierarchy they established. They started, you know, two hours later, they, there was sort of a... Uh, a hierarchy that the top boy, the middle and the bottom boy, whatever, a bunch of them. Then they put them back together at 10 or 11 years old. They hadn't seen each other, these guys, in like all that time. Within an hour, they were back to the same hierarchy. So there's this really kind of um, thing that, that we girls don't really understand so much, but it's a real, there's this really kind of pecking order and hierarchy that's like unspoken, but this guy that, you know, she went with out with the best friend. We don't know where he, the hierarchy was with him, but he was probably maybe a guy that's a little bit ahead of the guy that was just her friend or something. You know what I mean? So you can say it was, it threatened something about the male hierarchy within that kind of relationship world. So we, we girls have to kind of be a little sensitive to that. If we under, if we really understand that deeply and just know that it's actually really different and it's something we just, we really don't understand because we don't do that. I mean, there is some some stuff, you know, where you have a, the alpha female in, in a group, you know what, what I mean, Rachel? I mean, you you know, it's like, there's there are like, who's the girl that everybody listens to all the time and who's the, you know, there's, there is some yeah. of that, but it's not like a kind of a more rigid hierarchy, which it's very typically that for males in all cultures. It's not just, you know, it's not just Western cultures. It's it's in, in all cultures. Yeah. I feel like it will depend whether or not you actually want to protect his ego or not. I feel like as, as the years go on and, and stuff as women, we tend to, we're tending to sort of be like, 
why do we need to, you know, protect a male ego just for their benefit? But it depends. Obviously, this guy, like you said, was like your best, your best friend. You obviously, you never want to upset your best friend. But, you know, if you genuinely like this other guy, I think you sort of need to say, like, I don't understand why you're taking it out on me. Um, you know, I expressed my feelings. The issue is actually maybe between you guys. So, you know, maybe to hash it out if you don't want to, if you don't want to lose the friendship, he just might need to, you know, sort of realize what, what his actual problem is. Is it the fact that, you know, you are with someone else or if it's just, if it's specifically because it's his best friend and if that's the reason, then they definitely need to talk it out. But Perfect. another question was um, why, so yeah, another boy behavior, why do males pursue you? Well, why do some males pursue you relentlessly then when you finally give in, they treat you nicely for a, like a very short amount of time and then completely could just cut you off and disappear when it's like they were the one chasing you first. Is that something in the male brain that is sort of like wanting what you can't have? Is that a more prominent feature within a male brain? So the, the I, she's asking the question of like, like if a guy pursues you and then they quote unquote get you, but then they kind of ghost you. Yeah. So basically that's kind of, this is kind of one of the, goes back to that thing we were talking about before about why one of the reasons girls don't want to like jump in bed with a guy right away or whatever, because this kind of thing that you're talking about, is like, okay, he pursued you. He quote unquote, got what he wanted, right? Quote unquote, got what he wanted. And then he goes to like, like, what's up with that? Right. And so um, this is a guy who's not really looking for a longer term relationship. He's just looking for you know, hitting multiples, you know, I mean, whatever he's, you know, he just wants to go on to the next, he just wants to go on to the next person or something and it, that that's the most likely. I mean, he's just, so there's, that's one of the reasons I think girls are, are smart to kind of like, you know, wait for a while, because if a guy's really just wanting to do the numbers, you know, just wanting to do, you know, basically in the States, I don't get whatever, do some version of grinder or, you know, some version <laughs> of like, you know, just like a, a hookup next hour down the street or, you know, whatever. Yeah. If that's what's going on there. Then, um, you know, he won't stick around and be interested enough to like, I, I think it's more like why do like, so why do men put so much effort into like almost forming a, a relationship that they know is just it's not long-term or anything like that because obviously it's from just sex it's just yeah sex. like I think she was sort of saying is it's something like biologically in the male brain that makes it easy for them to do that because I don't think as females we would well stereotypically we to string a man on just to sleep with them and ditch them isn't as common for us like as a behavior for us then it is you hear boys doing that all the time so I just don't understand yeah I think she just wants to understand like why it like a boy's more sort of like inclined to sort of like well, put in that work yeah. for we girls yeah we girls will say that's just it's a really shitty thing that happens to be part of this the, the male brain circuitry and obviously not all not all guys are like this by by but you know yeah. there's enough of them there's enough of them are we've all run into them I mean I remember I've run into a few of them in my life too it's like, like <laughs> and it's very it's very shockingly hurtful too you're thinking like god why would they waste all this time kind of like you know getting to know me a lot whatever you know just to get into my pants or, you know what is this you know it's just like it felt like it feels very feels very shallow but it also feels like in girls like we'll talk about some more when we talk about female brain in uh, part two but you know we get 
we get all of our oxytocin, we get a lot of our attachment hormones and all of our bonding hormones, we get them all engaged. And we can't just like, you know, boom, cut the cord in, in a way. So it's, um, and sometimes I think that to, to be fair, I think sometimes males don't even, they don't know themselves in this kind of way. They, they don't, they are behaving, they're being driven by their hormones to do stuff and their brain to do stuff. And some of them, when they look, when they look back five or six years later, as they get more mature, they'll say the stuff I did was really fucked up. They, they're yeah. going to have some, they'll have some regrets. I've heard that a lot. There's some real regrets about that kind of behavior because, but it, it's very hurtful when you happen to be the female that's like sort of quote unquote been used. You feel like you're used and discarded. Yeah. Well, that leads us on to, I'll, this will be the final boy behavior one. Somebody said, do men process emotion differently and does, and does this lead sort of why they fuck up the most generically in relationships she said i recently found out my boyfriend was inappropriately messaging other women we are one year down the line i thought happy as ever and i never had any suspicions i found this i found out this had happened and all he has done since is tell me how much he's realized he loves me why as a woman do i know i love him but he needs to have a threat of losing me to know how he really feels. Well, you know, it's like, you know, what is, it, what is that phrase? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. But also just the just the thought, the thought of losing someone or the thought of absence, you know, all of a sudden, obviously, like, makes him realize he might lose her and how important she is to him. That happens to us all sometimes, you know, when you start to take something for granted. I mean, I'm like, that's like, you start yeah. to take something for granted and then you start to run the scenarios in your head. What would my life be like without this person, you know? And, you know, if the if the relationship's got a lot of problems and there's always like all this, you know, difficult fighting and tension going on and you run the scenario, what would my life be like without this person? You might think like, it would be a relief. <laughs> but if you're really attached to someone, you love them and you really, you know, you care for them and you, it's hard to imagine what your life would be like without them. That tells you, you know, what your heart, how your attachment really is. And I think it goes for guys that, that sometimes it takes a little bit of like a threat to the, like a girl has to say, look, this is just not who I am. I can't, you know, I'm, I'm interested in a monogamous relationship. I'm not interested in blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you got to let me know if, if we can't do that, then I don't want to do it at all. I've, I've been in that situation before where you think it's all fine. And then, yeah, let's say they sleep with someone else. And then suddenly now you get all of the emotions from them of, oh my God, no, but like, um, it meant nothing to me. I love you. Like, I don't want to lose you. Like that kind of thing. Like, wh why, do, why do boys do that? Like, why did they, because obviously that action was going to upset supposedly the one you love so much. Why do boys need to hurt us in order to realize how they feel? Does, do, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see it. I see. I don't think that they're going along the path of trying to hurt you you know okay. they don't they don't even think it through they're not what, what you're missing is they're not even thinking it through at all they're like just like playing this game with other women and messaging them and kind of titillating them and flirting with other women and they don't even run it through their brain like oh this might this might hurt the one i really love you know so this little playing on the side is like 
going to hurt her. They don't they don't think about that. And they so you have to tell them. I mean you've got to you've got to just be straightforward and blunt about it. A male sort of more biologically spontaneous, if that makes sense. Like not really thinking ahead. Thinking they just think through so in much. the moment. And in some you know some women some women will still try to play the field when they have a guy. When they have a guy, you know, they'll still uh, yeah, start yeah, texting I mean, So both it goes both ways. Like I think both of it I think that I think that that's a little biological like the mother nature is back there saying, you know, you might want to see what other options are out there, or you might want to keep your options open, or, you know, there's little, these things that go on in all of our mind, like put all your eggs in one basket is supposed to be something you're not supposed to do. It's, you know, it's, this is really complicated business, this type of, you know, building, building a relationship that, you know, the early, I always say like you date, you see someone for about three months and then you decide, okay, at three months, you kind of decide, well, I think I'll up it for an, I'll, I'll up my commitment for another three months, you know, in your mind. And then after that three months, it's kind of like, okay, hmm, it's been six months now. Is it, you know, is it a go or not? I, yes, it's a go. I'll, I'll up it for another six months, you know? And so you're, you kind of do it in those little chunks, right? You, chunks. Yeah. So, I mean, to answer that question, I suppose the reason he does that is because he's not really even, well, the reason he did that is because he wasn't thinking at all. Men tend to just think in, in the moment and less rationally about consequences. I think, whereas women, we tend to, yeah, we would, we tend to think more sort of about the consequences of, of actions and put a little bit more emotion into, into our thought process than men do. Well, the biological basis of that, of course, again, mother nature has it so that the male, the, the male mandate is spread your seed as far and wide as you can, <laughs> you know? Right. And so for females, we can't do that because we have to be like, it's like, you know, we're nine months of pregnancy, then we need, you know, then they have two years of like at least infancy of a, you know, we need, we can't, we can't raise an infant alone. So, you know, we have a whole chunk of thing about commitment that's really biologically different than males. Right. So that is the end of part one, the male brain and understanding the male brain. I really hope you guys found that interesting. Uh, next Monday, we will dive in to part two, the female brain. Honestly, her voice and accent and just, she's just so fun and easy to speak to. I really, really loved these conversations with her. So if you guys are already interested, I will leave Dr. Luann's book in the description bar down below. Honestly, such a good read. The structure of the book is so easy to read. It's so insightful and fun and just really knowledgeable and interesting all at the same time. I've never read a book like it. So I really think you guys are going to love it. Um, I will leave the male brain and the female brain linked down below for you guys. But like I said, the female brain episode is coming next week, next Monday. So stay tuned for that. And I will see you guys then. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.